Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 7 of New Moon titled Repetition. Stephanie Meyer's favorite thing repetition. So where we left off, Bella started coming out of her funk and noticing that everyone around her had had haircuts. She never stopped to think, maybe I should get a haircut, but she just, you know, she's taken baby steps. And we start this chapter with her saying, I wasn't sure what the hell I was doing here. And I was like, oh God, not another dream sequence. But it's not. It's not. What she's doing is she's stalking the Cullens' old house. That's what she's doing. It's not immediately apparent, but she's saying, why am I doing this? Am I trying to be a zombie again? I should be hanging out with Jacob. This isn't a healthy thing to do, but I'm driving down the overgrown lane, twisting through all of these trees like a tunnel. And she's just banging on about how overgrown the road is to the Cullens' house. It's only been a couple of months, but you'd think she's in an I Am Legend hellscape where she's the lone survivor and the earth has just overgrown, taking over all of the buildings. And apparently it's uh, the same day as when she was just in the lunchroom looking at Lauren's haircut because she says, it was just this strange sense of repetition I'd felt at school today. The coincidence of the date, the feeling that I was starting over. Remember, because today is the same date as when she first moved to Forks. That's not a coincidence. That's literally just time moving on. Every 365 days, it's the same date. I mean, not accounting for leap years, but I'll tell you something. I, I never really get leap years. Like I know what a leap year is, but I can never remember it. And they used to be like, oh, you know, when it's the Olympics, it's a leap year. But like, We're in 2021 and there was no Olympics last year and there might be Olympics like next month in Japan. I'm confused. I can't just build my life around the Olympics committee's schedule, okay? And then other than that, what have we got? 28 days has February, January, April and November. Like I couldn't, I never remember that rhyme either. And like, I'm a smart guy. I've got two degrees. But the whole knowing how many days there are in a month thing, I'm not good at it. It's a weakness and I'm admitting it here and I'm, I'm being very brave in saying that. But yeah, no, Bella thinks it's a coincidence that she was at school a, a year ago. Uh, uh, 
She needs to look up what what a coincidence is. And she's saying it's a sense of repetition. But she was telling us that she felt completely different because no one was looking at her. No one was paying attention to her at school. The teachers were gliding over her face as they scanned the room. Whereas on that first day of school, everyone was talking about Bella. She was the beer flavored nipple girl in town. Everyone was obsessed with her. So it's not really repetition. Uh, I'm not getting the repetition bells. <sighs> but she's convincing herself that this is the right thing for her to do to go and stalk the Cullens's house. She's just thinking about how he said it will be as if I'd never existed. And she's trying to cling on to the fact that he did exist. And again, I say it's been four months. You haven't forgotten him yet. It's not been that long. People at school will gladly talk to you about him if you brought it up. I'm sure if she said, hey, Ange, remember Edward? I wasn't imagining that, right? Ange would be like, no, yes, he he went to school here for six years. Never, never aged a day now that I think about it. (laughs) And the truth is that she is still trying to hear that voice in her head, which is Edward yelling at her. And she doesn't really know what brought that voice about yet. That's what she's telling us. She's saying she wants to hear his voice because it came from some part of her in her self-conscious that was memory. Uh, uh, And she thinks that if she has this deja vu moment, she'll hear his voice again. But like, excuse me, I feel like we've already figured out that there's a link between you doing something dangerous and then you hearing the voice in your head. Like we got that at Port Angeles with Jessica after the movies. The whole reason you got these motorbikes was so that you could do something reckless to hear the voice, right? But now she's thinking she'll just hear the voice if she just walks up to the Cullen's house, which isn't a dangerous thing to do. So she's very scatterbrained. She's trying to justify her actions to herself and to me, and I'm not buying it. I mean, the fact that she's even saying that the voice in her head was perfect and honey smooth, rather than the pale echo my memories usually produced. And like, um, They're all coming from your head. The call is coming from inside the house, Denise. It's all from you. One is not better than the other. But no, she's hoping deja vu's the key. So she goes to his house, somewhere she hasn't been since that ill-fated birthday party. (laughs) And she tells us thick, almost jungle-like growth crawled around the house. (laughs) It's like what they say in Jurassic Park, nature finds a way. And nature is finding a way to overtake that property. So she finds the house, even though it had been flooded in grass, (laughs) she finds the house, but it's not the same. She says, even though nothing had changed on the outside, she could feel this emptiness screaming from the blank windows. It was creepy. (laughs) Well, it, it, it had always been creepy. It's creepy that there was six vampires living in a house with a kitchen that they'd never use and bathrooms that they never use, but didn't bother to put a bed in because they just never wanted to lie down. Imagine never wanting to lie down, even though you don't sleep. Ridiculous, the biggest plot hole in the whole book. So she walks up to the house and nothing. No lingering sense of their presence or of his presence, no voices in her head. But she says she doesn't want to go too close because she doesn't want to look in the windows and see the rooms bare, because that certainty would hurt her. Even though she did just say that, the emptiness screamed from the windows. I guess it was screaming at her, but she wasn't looking because she says she didn't look through the windows. 
So she feels like shit. So she runs back to the truck and then she drives up to La Push to see Jacob because she needs to see Jacob. And she's like in a state, but as soon as she sees him, her chest seems to relax, making it easier to breathe. And so Jacob's like, hi, Bella. Just like, you know, happy, oblivious to her trauma. So they go to the garage and Bella's like, so you're not sick of me yet? And he's like, no, not yet. And when she sees the motorbikes, she's shocked because they're standing up rather than looking like a pile of jagged metal. And she's like, oh my God, amazing. And he's like, yeah, I get a bit obsessed, but if I had any brains, I'd drag it out a little bit. And she's like, why? When it's pretty obvious, it's because he likes spending time with you, you dickhead. But Bella's like, you know what? Even if we get desperate, we still have homework we could do together. And Jacob smiles and relaxes. But she says, as long as you let me come over, I'll be here. And he's like, you really like me, huh? And she says, yeah, and to prove it, how about on Wednesday we do something non-mechanical? And she's like, how about you come over to my house and we can do homework? (laughs) And he's like, what a great idea. And she's like, isn't it a wonderful idea? And I was like, what? Homework? You can't think of anything more exciting than doing homework at your house. You don't even go to the same schools. You can't even really help each other with homework. Um, Yeah, no, how exciting. Let's, Let's do homework at my house on Wednesday night. Put a movie on. For fuck's sake, play cards. Whip out a board game, anything. But no, let's, let's do homework, Jake. Wouldn't that be fun? Why does Jake like her? Ugh. And so then they plan to do homework together twice a week. Ugh. I bet Jacob's thinking it's a Netflix and chill thing. Like, oh, you're inviting me to your room to do homework. I get it. Uh, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Bella. But Bella actually means homework. So maybe Jacob's misconstruing what's going on here. He might think it's a line, but no, Bella's very serious. She wants to catch up on her calc. So she gets home later than she thought that night and Charlie's already ordered a pizza. Shock horror. And she's like begging his forgiveness. And he's like, I don't mind. You deserve a break from all the cooking anyway. (laughs) Ugh, the whole cooking dynamic in that house shits me to tears, but you all know that. So I'm not going to harp on it again. So she checks her email. There's an email from Renee. She writes back to Renee. I don't care. Then the next day at school has its ups and downs. Angela and Mike are really chatty. Jessica still being a bit of a resistant bitch. She's got that cold shoulder, but then she's at work with Mike and he's being too animated and chatty. And she's just like, ugh, this isn't as effortless as it is with Jacob. And then Mike's like, so this was fun. And she's like, yeah, it was great. And he's like, too bad you had to leave that movie the other night. And she's like, yeah, ha ha ha, it was scary. And he's like, yeah, maybe you should see a movie that's not scary. And she's like, oh, I guess. And he's like, bitch, I'm asking you out on a date. And then she's like, "Uh uh-oh. And I feel bad for Bella here because she says, I didn't want to screw things up with Mike, not when he was one of the only people ready to forgive me for being crazy. But then again, this felt far too familiar. And she's like, oh, like a date. And yeah, I mean, it's not fun to think, oh no, this person's not going to like me if I reject their advances. Like in a perfect world, she could be like, I'm not interested in you sexually or romantically, and just say that the once and have it be it. But she's knocked him back a few times and he's just coming back for more, which is putting her in an uncomfortable situation. Also because you're at work and 
Mike's parents own the store. It's called Newton's and Mike Newton's hitting on you. <sighs> it's, it's not a great position to be putting Bella in, Mike. Maybe I'm not hashtag team Mike after all. But no, he says, well, it doesn't have to be a date if you don't want it to be. And she says, I don't date. And he's like, well, let's just hang out as friends. And she really hopes that he means it. And so do I. But she's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. But I'm busy. Maybe next Friday. How about that? And then Mike walks her to her car. And it reminds her so clearly of her first months in Forks. She says, I'd come full circle. (sighs) I don't think she has. I don't think she has. I don't think she knows what full circle is. It's a 90 degree angle at best, but no, she thinks she's got full circle. Okay, sure. So then her and Jacob are doing homework at her place and she had made a lasagna because she felt so guilty that Charlie had to make himself a pizza. She made a lasagna, ugh. And we're just zipping through the week. Friday, she was at the garage. Saturday, she was working at Newton's and doing homework again. Charlie's going fishing because that's interesting to everyone and we all need to hear about that. So then the next day, she's waiting for Jacob's call to tell her to come up to La Push. And then she does hear the phone ring, so she drops the toilet brush and runs downstairs to answer it. And I have a lot of questions. Where'd she drop the toilet brush? In the toilet? On the floor? That's a bit gross. Like, was it the start of the job with the toilet brush or the end of the job with the toilet brush? Is she going to come back and pick up the toilet brush? And so Jake's on the phone and he says, I believe we have a date. And his tone was thick with implications. And she's like, oh no, not another guy hitting on me. But then she realizes, oh, a date with the motorbikes. So she's super pumped. She says, this is great. It'll distract me from my new nightmares. Because by the way, she's having new nightmares where she's searching through a forest and she can't find anything. But this time it's... It it looks like the forest near the Cullen's house. So it's the exact same fucking nightmare. It's just a different forest. So she runs to the truck. She says to Charlie, headed to see Jake. Charlie said something else, but she couldn't hear him over the roar of the engine. But it sounded sort of like, where's the fire? So she's like, Charlie said something, but I couldn't hear him. But this is what he said. (laughs) So you clearly heard him, Bella. So Jacob has put blue ribbon in bows around the handlebars of the bikes. How cute's that? Uh, But she found it hilarious. So she's laughing at that. And Jacob's like, let's go. But they can't ride there, obviously, because Billy will see. So they load him up onto the truck and they go for a drive to the perfect spot. So they're driving on some dirt road going in and out of the forest, just along the cliffs, looking out at the Pacific Ocean. And then she notices four figures standing on a rocky ledge, much too close to the precipice. And they're just wearing little shorts. <laughs> they're, they're topless. And she's watching as a tall one steps close to the brink and then threw himself off the edge. And she's like, no. And she slams on the brake and Jake's like, what's wrong? And she's like, him, he jumped off a cliff. Why didn't they stop him? We've got to call an ambulance. And it's just like, okay, bitch, like they're clearly cliff diving. Are the other three guys not bothered? Was he pushed? No, he just dove into the ocean. Hence why he wasn't wearing lots of clothes. And Jacob's like, oh God, they're cliff diving belly, you dumb bitch. It's recreation. La Push doesn't have a mall, you know. And she can tell that he's teasing, but there's a strange note of irritation in his voice. Hmm. I'm sure we'll find out what that is about in one page. 
And so she's just like, huh, cliff diving, how weird. And he's like, yeah, well, most of us jump from lower down. Um, but those guys are insane, probably showing off how tough they are. And then he's making a disgruntled face as if the stunt personally offended him. And it surprises her a little because Jacob's not the type of person to be this upset. So she's really laying it on thick that Jacob's got something to get off his chest. So she's looking at the cliff in amazement as another person jumps off. And she's like, my eyes widened. I'd never witnessed anything so reckless in all my life. So exactly, you didn't have to be fixing up a motorbike to be reckless. You could have just jumped off a cliff. And she's like, yep, I want to go cliff diving. Let's go. And he's like, okay, maybe not today. Can we just wait till it's warmer? And she's like, I really want to go soon. And he's like, you're a bit strange. You know that, right? So they drive off. The mood is weird. And so she's like, so who are those guys? The crazy ones. And he makes a disgusted sound in the back of his throat. And he says, the LaPush gang. And she's like, you guys have a gang? And and he's like, well, no, they're like hall monitors gone bad. They don't start fights, they keep the peace. And then he snorts and he's like, yeah, there was word around town that this guy, this scary looking guy, he was selling meth to kids. And so then Sam Uli and his disciples ran him off our land. And like, doesn't that sound like a good thing? He's talking about like, they're the scum of the earth. How dare they stop that meth dealer from dealing to kids? <laughs> like I'm kind of on Sam Uli's side here, Jacob. But no, Jacob's hands are full clenched into fists. And Bella's like, I'd never seen this side of him. And Bella recognizes Sam Uli's name as the guy who found her in the woods, but she doesn't want to think about that because, you know, it'll make her think of her nightmare. And she doesn't want to have a nightmare that night, even though she has a nightmare every night, but okay. And Jacob's just like, yeah, they're just really annoying. They're always showing off and they act like tough guys. He's like, I was hanging out at the store with Embry and Quill once and Sam came by. There was an altercation and this guy called Paul got really pissed off and he like bared his teeth at us. But then Sam put his hand on his chest and they walked away. But for a minute there, it looks like he was going to tear us apart if Sam didn't stop him. And I know from that story, we're meant to be like, oh my God, they're werewolves. But I'm thinking, so you guys were hanging out at a store, even though you just told me the only thing you can do for recreation in La Push is jump off a cliff because there's no mall. But here you are just hanging out at a store. So, okay. So Jacob bitches about him for a bit longer. And she says, it all sounds really annoying and strange, but I don't get why you're taking it so personally. And like, okay, be a friend and just have his back. If he's pissed off, just be like, you're so right, Jacob. What freaks? Like he's been really patient with you. You suck, Bella. And he's stood by you. But she's like, why are you taking it so personally? Barty doesn't really answer. She does a U-turn and almost hits a tree because she missed the exit. Classic Bella. And she can tell that something's still bothering him, but she doesn't want to push it. So they get the bikes out. They start setting up the bikes to ride. And then she says, Jake, what's really bothering you? So when she was like, I'm not going to push it, I guess that changed. So she says, what's really bothering you? Is it about Sam or is there something else? And he's like, it's just the way they treat me. It creeps me out. They treat me special and I don't know why. He says they look at him like they're waiting for something, like he's going to join their gang someday. And he hates it. 
And Bella's like, you don't have to join anything. Who do these protectors think they are? You should go hang out with the meth lab dealer instead. But she can tell there's more. So she's like, what? And so he's frowning, which is weird because he's not a frowner, remember? He's her own personal sunshine. And he says, it's Embry. He's been avoiding me lately. And she doesn't get the link. She's like, I don't really know why you're telling me this. But he says, Embry missed a week of school and he was never home when we tried to see him. So where did they think he was? Not too clear. But he says when he came back, he looked terrified and freaked out and he wouldn't talk to either me or Quill. But then out of nowhere this week, he's hanging out with Sam. And in fact, he was one of the guys on the cliffs today. So how about that? Bella didn't recognize him. Bella's met this kid before, but she didn't recognize him on the cliff. So that's, that's interesting. Um, she's self-centered or he's had a haircut and bulked up because he's now got werewolf blood in him. Maybe that's it. But what Jacob's getting at is he was never interested, but now he's part of their little cult. And he's like, same thing happened with Paul. Paul hated Sam and now he loves Sam. And Bella's like, well, have you talked to Billy about this? And she's, you know, feeling horror spreading all throughout her, chills running down the back of her neck. And he's like, yeah, Billy sucks as well. I asked him about it and he just said, it's nothing you need to worry about now, Jacob. In a few years, if you don't, dot, 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 well, I'll explain later. So Billy's about as subtle as a brick to the head as well. Billy is just really indicating quite strongly that something's going to happen with puberty, (laughs) but Jacob's not picking up on it. So now Jacob's biting his lower lip. Earlier, Bella was biting her lower lip. (laughs) It's a lot of lip biting going on. And he looks like he was about to cry. So she hugs him and she's like, oh, Jake, it'll be okay. You can come and live with me and Charlie. Yeah, he's worried that his whole tribe is getting infiltrated by a cult. And her solution is, just leave the cult and come and live with Charlie and I on the couch. (laughs) And Bella's like, it was strange for me being this close emotionally to another human being. It wasn't my usual style. And she's just thinking about, oh, how lovely it is to have a friend. And he says, well, if this is how you're going to react, I'll freak out more. Ha ha ha. And then his fingers are like touching her hair, soft and tentative. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, it's friendship for me. So she pulls away and she immediately says, it's hard to believe I'm two years older than you. Ha 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 ha. Um, (laughs) Just really reminding him that because of the two year age gap, it's, it's impossible. It's never going to happen because I'm two years older than you. Like, She knows that her old boyfriend was a hundred years older than her, but okay, no, two years, completely ridiculous. So then they're bantering about her being an albino because skin color is very important in this book. And he stretches his russet arm out to compare it with her albino white arm. Oh, the banter. And they're like, are we going riding or not? So she's like, let's do it. And that's the end of the chapter. And I kind of feel like, nothing happened in this chapter. So maybe I should do the next chapter as well. Let's take a little break and I'll come back and do the next chapter, which is chapter eight, Adrenaline. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So where we left off. <laughs> I'm not going to do that whole thing. We just did it. So chapter eight, Adrenaline. It starts with Jacob teaching her where the clutch is pointing out all the different parts. And I'm thinking maybe it would have been helpful if she was more actively involved in the reconstruction process, then she would know where the brake is. But okay, no, he's teaching her from scratch. He's saying, use the brake at the handle. Don't use the back brake. That's for later. And she's like, that doesn't sound right. Aren't both brakes kind of important? And he's like, you're the one that wanted me to teach you how to ride. Just forget about the back brake, okay? So he teaches her how to brake with the handle and she's terrified, but she's trying to tell herself that fear was pointless because she'd already lived through the worst thing possible. Edward dumping her was the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone in the entire world. So what has she got to worry about riding a motorbike? So then he's just teaching her how to start the, the engine. It's just about as interesting as you think it would be. A lot of telling her to ease up on the clutch. So much talking about clutches. And I'm thinking, what, what, why is she holding a handbag? Why is she holding a sensible going out handbag? And then I'm like, oh, you mean a clutch like on the motor? Like, okay. But the point is she starts riding and then she's shocked to be interrupted by a voice that did not belong to the boy standing next to her. Shocked. Even though the whole point of this exercise was to hear the voice, she's shocked. And it's Edward's velvet voice saying, this is reckless and childish and idiotic, Bella. And she gasps at it because she's shocked and her hand falls off the clutch. The bike buckles and then she falls over. And then the voice is like, I told you so. So like even in her subconscious, Edward's a prick. Jacob asks if she's okay. And she's like, I'm fine. And then she narrates more than fine. The voice in my head was back. (laughs) God, this is so dumb. I just don't 
understand the psychology behind this. It makes no sense because it's not a real voice in her head. It's not really Edward. It's her subconscious manifesting this. So why does she have to go to all the extreme lengths for it to trigger into her head? Can't she just trick herself? Ugh. How do you trick? Ugh. Ugh. None of it makes sense. It's like Stephanie Meyer thought, I need to have them break up so we can have a love triangle, but also I don't want a book without him. So I'll just come up with this contrived notion that he's got, uh, I can't even say it out loud, that he is in her head. Okay, whatever, let's move on. And then she's like, wait a minute, it must be the adrenaline that triggers the voice. Maybe it's not deja vu. Well, of course it's not deja vu. She says being reckless was paying off. Maybe I'd found a way to generate the hallucinations. Oh God, so we've just got more of this. More of this coming. So then she's back on the bike. She's trying it again. The voice is saying, do you want to kill yourself? Is that what this is about? (laughs) And she never says that it's Edward's voice, by the way. She just says it's a velvet perfect voice. She describes it as velvet like every time, but she never says Edward's name. So it's like, ugh, ugh, ugh. And then she ignores the voice. (laughs) I mean, I thought the whole point of, of doing this was to hear the voice, but she ignores what the voice is saying because she knows deep down that Jacob's not going to let anything serious happen to her. So if she knows that deep down, how is her subconscious still getting tricked? And, ugh, never mind. It doesn't make sense. Uh, uh. Then the voice is saying, go home to Charlie, and the sheer beauty of it amazes her. (sighs) And then guess what? She's riding too fast. The voice is yelling at her, which distracts her from the road. So she's veering off the path. So nice one in a voice. And then she's freaking out. And so what does she do? She slams on the brakes using her feet, which Jacob expressly told her not to do. So she fucks up. She falls off. The motorcycle lands on top of her, pulling her across the wet stand until it's stationary. Her face was mashed into the moss. Jacob pulls the bike off of her. She's dizzy. She's confused and thrilled thrilled that she's found the recipe for the hallucination. What a dickhead. And she's like, I'm great. Let's do it again. And Jacob's like, yeah, I think I need to take you to the hospital. And she's like, pa, I'm fine. And he's like, Bella, you've got a huge cut on your forehead and it's gushing blood. Now remember, remember, I don't know why my voice is cracking, but remember last book when there was the chapter called Blood Type? And they did blood typing in biology, which is a completely normal thing that every school does. And she fainted. She couldn't handle the teeny tiny little teeny little prick of blood because she can smell blood. She's got a superhero power that she can smell blood. So that made her faint. And now here she is with with her gushing blood out of her head. Can't smell it. Can't smell it. She can smell nothing but the damp moss on her face. So her superhuman nose is no longer working. And so then she's like pushing against the gash in her head. And she says, oh, I'm so sorry, Jacob. And he's like, why are you apologizing for bleeding? Which, wow. Remember how she used to always apologize for bleeding around Edward? Ah, it's almost as if humans and vampires shouldn't date. And then we come into the most aggravating little scene where he's like, I've got to take you to the hospital. And she's like, oh, first you better gather the bikes. And so 
He's like, oh, all right, I'll be right back. And so he's running off to get one bike and then he's riding the bike back to the truck and then he's running off to get the other bike and then he's riding that bike back to the truck and then he's running back to Bella and then he's helping Bella walk back to the truck. And I was like, so this this gash on her head that's bleeding profusely, we're just going to put that on the back burner, are we? Okay, no, sort out your bikes, sort out your bikes. Oh, and also he took off his shirt so she could you know, put some pressure on the wound. And because he's shirtless riding a motorbike, we get a great description about his shiny hair whipping against the russet skin of his back. Just in case you were wondering what his skin looked like, it's russet. So Jacob gets her into the truck and she's like, so flase da. She's like, oh, head wounds just bleed more than most. His urgency wasn't necessary. And I I don't know if anyone is being urgent. And she's like, oh, come on, think about this. If you take me to the ER now, then Charlie's going to hear about it. And we've got these bikes to deal with. We need to come up with a plan. And Jacob's like, what the fuck? I need to get you stitches. You're going to bleed to death. And she's like, it'll be fine. Let's just take the bikes back first. And then we'll stop at my house, dispose of the evidence, and then go to hospital. And I'm thinking, why is the voice in her head not saying, Bella, go to the hospital right now. You're going to bleed out. No, no, the voice is just silent, even though this is a, a reckless, dangerous act. So, yeah, she's convinced him to do all these little detours before going to the hospital. And then his mouth turned down in an uncharacteristic frown, which, I mean, is it that uncharacteristic? Last chapter, he was frowning the whole time talking about the boys on the cliff, but okay. So they go on a nice leisurely drive to Bella's house. She's just thinking the whole time about how great it is that she's unlocked the key to the hallucination. I mean, you'd think she'd be passed out, but nope. And Jacob's like, I'm going to disconnect your foot break. Hilarious. So she's at home. She's looking at herself in the mirror. She's like, huh, it, it does look pretty gruesome. The blood is everywhere, but she hides her clothes. She gets changed and oh, she, she washed up as well as she could. I assume she means washed up her face, not like the dishes. I wouldn't be surprised if she was like, oh no, Charlie's going to be home and there's a dish in the sink. Better wash it up. Maybe she's picked up the toilet brush. I don't know, but she's, she's clean in the house. She's throwing her clothes in the laundry. Just no urgency. And Jacob's like, hurry up. And she's like, ah, oh, okay, okay. So then they finally start heading towards the hospital and they're gonna go with the story that she tripped in the garage and hit her head on the hammer. And then she realizes halfway to the hospital that he's shirtless still. And she's like, oh no, I should have grabbed you a jacket or something very self-involved. And he's like, it's fine. I run hot. Then she's just staring at him and his muscles and yep. The muscles were definitely there underneath the smooth skin. His skin was such a pretty color. It made me jealous. Oh boy. And then she says, did you know you're sort of beautiful? And he's like, oh, okay. Sort of thank you then. And the whole point of like the scene is that, yeah, his body is changing, right? We got that. We got that. But also hurry up and get to the fucking hospital. You're bleeding. And she had to have seven stitches to close the cut on her forehead. Seven stitches. And she was acting like it was no big D. She got local anesthetic. And then she drove home and dropped Jacob off at La Push and then went home. All this running to and fro from La Push. She's driving, even though she was just under local anesthetic, has a head wound, seven stitches. I'm surprised Dr. Gendry wasn't like, hey, maybe take it easy. Don't operate heavy machinery. 
But no, she's racing home so she can cook Charlie dinner. She's racing home to cook Charlie dinner. And Charlie seems to buy the story about falling over. He just, no questions asked, says, yeah, that sounds about right. And lets her continue in the kitchen. I'd say, holy shit, you've got seven stitches in your forehead. Let me order a pizza or let me at least pour you some cereal. But now Charlie's just living like a king. And she still has a nightmare that night, but it's not as painful. Maybe it's just the lingering anesthesia, but it's not as painful as it used to be. And then we have a little paragraph break, new section. And it says the next Wednesday, before I could get home from the ER, the doctor had called to warn her father that she might have a concussion. So we're to presume she's been riding again, hit a tree or some bullshit, and now she's got a concussion. And then Charlie's eyes narrowed suspiciously at her weak explanation about tripping again. And he says, maybe you should just stay out of the garage altogether, Bella. Now remember, this man's the chief of police. Can you imagine Charlie Swan in an interrogation room? And they're just like, yeah, I I fell in a garage. And he's just like, okay. And then it happens again. And they're like, I fell in a garage. And he's like, okay, I still believe you. You could get away with so much crime in this town is all I'm saying, because he is gullible as shit. But she starts panicking, thinking that Charlie's gonna say that she's not allowed to go to La Push. And she says, I wasn't giving up. I'd had the most amazing hallucination today. And I'm thinking, oh, well, what was it? My velvet voice delusion had yelled at me for almost five minutes before I'd hit the break and then hit the tree. So for her, a mark of success is that she got yelled at for five minutes. What does it say about Edward that her subconscious isn't conjuring up a hallucination where he says nice things? What does that tell you about his character? So she lies to Charlie. She says, it didn't happen in the garage. It happened while we were hiking. I tripped over a rock. Even though she's never hiked before in her life, she weasels away out of that little lie. And Charlie's like, yeah, all right, whatever. He just says, keep close to town if you're hiking because of this big bear. God, they're laying it on thick about this big bear. So then she complains to Jacob being like, Charlie's getting nosy. And Jacob's like, yeah, maybe we should cool it with the bikes. And you can tell Jacob's sort of like, ha ha, ha ha ha, you're gonna kill yourself. Uh, This is dangerous and I no longer am enjoying it. So he's like, well, what do you wanna do? And she thinks about it. She thinks, I hated the idea of losing even my brief seconds of closeness with the memories that didn't hurt. As in the memories of his voice while she's riding a motorbike. But if she couldn't, this is so dumb. If she couldn't have the bike, she's going to have to find some other avenue to the danger and the adrenaline. But she's like, maybe there's some other way, some other place to trigger these memories. So she thinks maybe I'll go to the meadow because it's a magic place full of light. The beautiful meadow. Uh, None of this memory stuff makes sense. She doesn't want to think about him because it's too hurtful, but she doesn't want to forget him because it's too hurtful. So she's actively going out of her way to hear his voice so she doesn't forget his voice, but she doesn't want to go near anywhere that he touched because it'll make her think of him, but she wants to go to the meadow because she thinks that'll have a different reaction to everything else like going to his house. When even though she's just determined that it's the adrenaline that triggers the memory, she thinks this will be different. It's all dumb. And then she even thinks, 
maybe this could backfire. Maybe it will be too painful to be in that area. But then she's like, well, I have to try it to hear his voice. Even though she knows she won't hear his voice unless she's doing something reckless. <sighs> so she tells Jacob about the place in the forest. And he's like, do you know where it is? And she, of course, doesn't. But she knows where she sort of started from. So Jacob's like, cool, we'll map out a grid. We'll, we'll hunt it down. So he gets a compass and a map draws lines all over it, comes up with a plan to go on these hikes to explore the area and find the meadow. So then they go on the hike. Jacob's leading with the compass and the map. He's doing a great job. It's all very impressive. So they're hiking through the woods and she says, I tried not to dwell on my last trip through this part of the forest with a very different companion. Normal memories were still dangerous. If I let myself slip up, I'd end up with my arms clutching my chest to hold it together, gasping for air. Well, what? So it's too triggering for you to think about the memory of of walking through this forest, but you think going to the meadow is going to be fine. Oh, it's too painful to think about the time I went to the meadow. But if I'm in the meadow, it will be okay, because that's not a normal memory. It's a special memory. Why would she think a special memory wouldn't hit as hard as normal memories? Wouldn't you be 10 times worse at the meadow? But no, ugh, oh, she's so dumb. So while they're hiking, she asks again about what's happening with the pack. She's like, so is Embry back to normal yet? And he says, no, he's not back to normal. And then he turns grumpy. His mouth pulls down into a frown again. The classic trademark Jacob Black frown. And so instead of just like dropping it, Bella's like still with Sam, huh? And he says, yup. And because the one word answer doesn't inspire her to to maybe drop it. She's like, are they still looking at you funny? And he says, sometimes. Another one word answer. And she says, and Billy. And he's like, yeah, as helpful as ever. And she's like, well, you can always stay on my couch. Pick up the social cues, Bella. He doesn't want to talk about it. So on this part of the grid that they're exploring, they don't find the meadow. So they head back towards the truck. And so then they plan to go on another hike tomorrow to explore more of the bloody wilderness. Could you think of anything worse than just walking in the woods, not knowing what you're looking for, not knowing if you're going to find it, making small talk with someone that doesn't know how to talk like a human being? Like, ugh, poor Jacob, he is a saint. And then Jacob makes a crack about wishing he'd see the bear tomorrow. And that he's disappointed. And she's like, yep, maybe we'll get lucky tomorrow and something will eat us. And he's like, bears don't eat people. We don't taste that good. And then he says, of course, you might be an exception. I bet you'd taste good. And she says, thanks so much. He wasn't the first person to tell me that. End of chapter. And what a weird thing to say to someone. I bet you'd taste good. Like, I I bet a bear would enjoy tearing your muscles from your limbs and eating you. What a, what a wonderful little pickup line. Even if he means it sexually, still gross. So that's the end of that chapter. And so then, oh, double chapter episode. How fun. And the next chapter is called Third Wheel. Should I, should I cover it right now? No, I'm not. I'm having a break. <laughs> so I'll see you next week for Third Wheel. And I think I know what's going to happen because I did watch the movie recently. So it's going to be a triple date. Uh, I think it'll be Jacob, Mike and Bella going to the movies. What fun. And I'll see you then. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. 
You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.